Welcome to another splendid edition of Strike 3 Podcast. Our guest today is a 20-year veteran umpire who got her start in Little League, like a lot of us, including myself. She's had a love for this game since she was a little girl and has never stopped learning about this game we all love. She's a Little League Softball World Series umpire, a Western Regional Little League Baseball umpire, a junior college umpire, but most of all, she's just a damn good person for whom we could learn a lot from. Please help me welcome to the show from Salinas, California, Ms. Kate Hart. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Center. Wait, 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 CB. Yeah? That's not us, man. That's another show. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, there we go. From underneath some milk crate in Northern California, it's Strike Three with CB, Enoch, and Trav. And here are your hosts, Colin Brown, Eric Nakagawa, and Travis Witt. But before we get to Kate, our own Travis Witt is on assignment this week with a special segment. Travis, what do you got for us? Hey, thank you, uh, very much for uh, letting me lead off, guys. I appreciate appreciate it, CB and Enoch. Um, so we're kind of doing little segments here, I think. Um, and I think CB, you and Enoch have uh, something lined up with a, an interview of a special guest. So I'm not going to take too much of the time. I just wanted to kind of get in and be a part of the episode, which I know you all like to hear me talk but not really i wanted to throw out some content and throw out something that um i think could be useful for the youth level high school level and those that are starting off in the junior college first year second years in junior college i received the referee magazine the april 2021 edition and i was going through it and reading uh, in the baseball section, of course, uh, which has to do with uh, uh, they they have a few they have a couple articles and I got three interesting articles, but I'm only going to talk about two of those articles right now. And what kind of pertains to the younger crowd and um, I if you don't have the referee magazine, please go online and grab the referee magazine, or if you do have it, please go out and read. Uh, these articles, these articles are great, and they, they will definitely help your game. They've helped my game. And kind of moving on, on to the subject of games, finally got a double hitter in on Thursday the 25th. I know Enoch got a series in, four-game series in up at Simpson during the weekend, and Colin was on vacation. So, and he's had a couple games prior to going on vacation, but Colin, or CB, is back, and He's ready to give the season a go, and he's ready to get this podcast back flowing, and hopefully soon we can all be, all three of us can be together and do a roundtable discussion, but they asked me to lead off again, and I wanted to go through these articles on in-game situations, not really situations, but in-game etiquette, a couple of tidbits that... Um, a couple of these authors kind of put out, and I want to kind of give the author's credentials a little bit on this first article. 
The first article is Save the Big Show for the Big Play, written by John Bible. John Bible was out of Austin, Texas. He's worked seven NCAA Division I College World Series, and he was the 2019 recipient of the National Collegiate Umpire Award from the National College Baseball Hall of Fame. So, uh, and, and I've seen him work the College World Series. I always remember uh, ESPN announcers shouting out his name. So this, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I think this will help out uh, for the, the youth league and um, the high school level and one or two-year JC levels. As he says, the save the big show for the big play. And what he's sitting there saying is, uh, if you watch YouTube or if you watch other video off of social media, I mean, you can bring it up and you can show, hey, umpire shows off. And I see it at that youth level and I see it at the high school level on these videos. And I'm not trying to call these umpires out. I'm just trying to, uh, and I don't want to embarrass them and so forth, but I just want to talk about what John is trying to kind of say here in this article, and you get the emphatic, and there, there, there's plays that deserve that emphatic pump out or slight demonstration is what, I, I mean, I would call it, I wouldn't call it a full demonstration, but I mean, they're not there to watch us. They're there to watch the kids play baseball or the players to play baseball, and as soon as that plays over, then they watch us. On the close, exciting plays, that's our time to shine. On the strike three, that's our time to shine, I believe. And if you do that on strike one, then what are you going to do for strike three? If you come up and do a great big punch on strike one, hey, one, what are you going to do on strike three? How do they believe you that that was actually strike three when it's a corner pitch? Because you're calling this pitch that's right down the middle for strike one. So, how are they going to believe when you call a player out for strike three, and we all see it, we all see every level, major leagues, college, division one, two, three, NAIA, JC, and that's what they they show us at clinics. They're like, hey, give me a good strike three. Let's see your strike three. Don't really care about your strike one, strike two. I want to see your strike three. So, that's where you get big. That strike three is the big old punch out that that uh that that's when you you want to make it believable to the coaches that you know what you're doing what you're being out there yes you want your strike one your strike two to be convincing but it doesn't have to be a big old showing off um and i don't think these guys are showing off they're just they're thinking they're having fun and so just just a simple strike one, strike two, number one, whatever, whatever you guys decide how you want to do it. But and, and the same thing goes for plays at, at the bases or home plate, I believe. A whacker at first, yeah, you wanna make it you wanna make it to where you know what you're doing. What you saw is what you saw. You saw him out or you saw him safe. And you wanna make it if it's close by a step, maybe halfway in between a simple out and a big old punch out whacker at first but if if the batter runner is three steps away and the second baseman is throwing the ball and he's still got three or four steps all you need is a simple he's out 
and make the, the out uh, indication. Uh, if you come up big, they're going to be like, oh, he's here to take attention, and he wants attention. And that's what I'm feeling, and that's my opinion, and most of these are going to be my opinion. But this is what John talks about. Kind of make things crisp um, on the other plays, but make something like sighting. If I, I was told somebody's stealing into second base. That's an exciting play. Someone's stealing. Someone's... And if he gets thrown out, that's exciting. Make it look exciting and make it look like you're confident in you making that call. So John talks about this in this article about that. Another thing, coming in from the outfield, uh, play at the plate. Tag up at third. Outfielder, right fielder, catches the ball. And he throws it in. One hops it to the plate. And the catcher comes around, makes the tag. That's an exciting play. That's your time to what we believe, what I believe, and I know CB and Enoch kind of believe it too. It's the time to shine and to sit there and say, hey, I saw it clearly. I got an out, and you come up and you punch him out. And it's basically a good, crisp, clean, bam, I've got him out. And it shows everybody you saw the play. You're con- you 100% know where he was. Yeah, some coaches are going to disagree. Some coaches aren't going to disagree. Um, it's usually the, the, the offensive team coach who's going to, if it's close play, thinks he got in there. He's going to disagree with that. And that's where we got the warnings and everything. But I think if you make it crisp, clean, and not well animated, and you don't do your previous and again, if he's out by three or four steps at home plate and he gets a tag and you sit there and say, hey, the ball's there, the catcher releases it, yeah, he's out. Uh, just a real quick, he's out, and you show a crisp, clean, out punch. How, how you present yourself, I believe. And I don't think we need to be showing big show stuff. And, and John talks about that on every call or every out or every safe and he he talks about calling someone safe at first base 10 times in a row and it's just like it's only one or two flaps of the arm not up to the side real crisp real clean no he's safe he's safe just so everybody knows you saw and that's what you got as the call you've seen it you want to make sure everybody knows that you have made the right call but, again, if it's too close or something like that and the other coach disagrees, the other coach is going to disagree. You have the conversation. That's why in high school we have some warnings. In college we definitely have the warning. And then um, the youth league, I'd say even in youth leagues, you, you actually give them a warning and go, hey, I've heard you. That's enough. And this is all for another topic of how to warn coaches and to have them kind of settle down a little bit and, move on out, but that that's all complete for a different topic, and hopefully we'll get to there. And Moving on to the second article, it's indicating what's on your indicator. Um, they, they, they teach us in the clinics, kind of file down your indicator to the zero marker um, on your balls and strikes and your outs, so that way you know where you're at. I mean, you really don't need to do it on the outs, but you can do it on, on your balls and strikes as well. But I've my indicator's filed down 
There's a notch there that tells me that that's the zero, zero count. And when I change it, it's a click, and I know where the ball one, strike one is. And I click it again, I know we got two, one, two, one. So two balls, one strike. Uh, we got the third, third count, third pitch of the at-bat. So kind of want to make sure everybody kind of knows that. It's two, one is the count, or one, two. And the one, two is an action pitch. Two, one kind of is an action pitch if you got a runner on first base. Scott Glass, who is out of Chickamauga, Georgia. He's retired from the U.S. Army. He's a high school and college baseball umpire. Wrote this article. It's in the same edition, April 2021. The timing of the count. When to give that count, he discusses. After every foul ball. After every time you've called timeout. Uh, something's going on. Batter and the pitcher and the catcher forget. will forget the count. And they'll ask you. And I know some of you guys have had conversations with the catcher and the batter. When they go, hey, what's the count? What's the count, Blue? And you gotta, you just kind of say it under your, only all three of you can hear it. And you're like, count's one and one. Or two, one. Or one, two. Or, hey, it's full count, three, two. Three balls, two strikes, guys. Hey, so you want to give it crisp. You want to give it clean. Um, talks about after every foul ball. It goes into the situations, basically. When there's zero, zero count, there's no need to announce zero, zero count. So the ball's out of play. New batter coming up. Coach has gone out to talk to the pitcher. Coach leaves, goes back to the dugout. You got a new batter. You're like, you're you're having your conversations with the batter and catcher. Hey, we ready? Play. You don't need to give a count there. Um, 0-1 count, pretty much announce after foul ball. When their base runners on, pretty much not really, but I do it anyways. It doesn't matter if there's no base runners on, if there's one out. I give 0-1 play type thing. 0-2. O2, O2 pitch could be a strikeout on the next pitch, so you can give it on an 0-2 count. One ball, two strike count I give it definitely because it's the third. It's after the third pitch of the at-bat, plus there could be some action afterwards. It's a one-two, especially if there's a runner on and there's two outs. Uh, if there's not a runner on and there's, like, one out, he drops the ball. We know everything like that. With a one-two count, he drops the ball. Even with runners on, everybody can go. And something, some action has to happen. 2-0, signal count after the ball is dead. When putting it back in play. 3-0, the third pitch again. Just give it crisp, give it clear, give it loud. 3-0, and then we come down to uh, three balls, two strikes. They want us to clean that up a little bit, the higher guys, and uh, I know signers probably want us to clean that up, but we can always do 3-2 or three balls, two strikes. They don't want us to sit there and say full count and just hold up two fists. They want us to actually put three fingers up on one hand, on the left hand, two fingers up on the right hand, say 3-2 or three balls, two strikes, and after an action play, I mean, it fouls ball. I mean, you're going to have probably multiple foul balls from that. So after every time, I know it's going to get tedious, 3-2. I also asked my partners during pregame, hey, can you just give me back the 3-2 when I give back 3-2? That way I know you know the count, and if there's runners on, if they're going to be running, 
on the play if there's two outs, where they're going. If it's three balls, two strikes, runner on first and two outs, I'm going to give that three balls, two strikes, and then I'm just going to say I'm staying home. And I pregame this with, with my partners. And I just say I'm staying home because he's running on the pitch. And if this ball is hit hard to the fence, I know he's coming home, and I got to be there for that if they try to throw home. If not, he's got the runner. My partner's got the batter runner into third. My partner always has the batter runner, and I always have the runner on first. So kind of crisp, clean, 3-1, 3-2, putting your hands up in the air. Um, try to get it as soon as the batter starting to step in the box, especially after a foul ball because you still got to put it in play. So even if you got one ball, two strikes, batter steps in, you're like, play. Give that indication. Makes things makes your game probably go a little bit quicker. And if the coaches see that, especially at the high school level, they know you're working hard. They don't have to ask you for the count because we know in high school and youth sports, the scoreboards aren't working very well. Don't rely on the scoreboards for your count. Make sure you got it in your indicator. And there's always a way without looking down every pitch to look at your indicator. And of course, with the with the file down of zero zero, which is what I do. And another way to do it is to have your indicator in your hand and you adjust your mask. And when you do that, you look at your indicator, your ball strikes. So um, things can get confusing in high school, baseball, and in youth sports. Uh, during pitches, coaches uh, talking to the kids, talking to you, a foul ball or something happens and you have to kill the play and then you lose track. It happens. It happens to everybody. So these are just some simple ways to keep make sure you keep track of the count because you're like, hey, last time I said 2-2. Two, two. He fouled that off, so it's still 2-2. Two, two. Or, hey, that ball was in the dirt, went to the backstop. He made it to second, but they did a wild pitch. They did a wild throw. Now the runner from first is at third. And you're like, wait a minute, I called 2-2 two, two last time. Okay, click, 3-2. All right, the count's now 3-2. Now you got a runner at third. So just something to kind of make your game look a little bit more crisp and clear. These last two articles, again, there's good about three good articles in the April's edition. The other article is the way we'll play today, which goes over ground rules of the field, ground rules uh, com conflicting with each rule book. Please, please do go out and read those from John Bible and uh, Scott Glass. Good articles that I've read over the last week after I got my edition. And then there's the NCAA clarifies the three rules for the foul tip, the batter becoming a base runner, rule clarifications. So hopefully with our rules episode that we have with Randy Bruns and the article in the April's Referee Magazine, Hope that helps you guys in the collegiate junior college level if you're starting out doing games at junior college. And probably in the Midwest and the East Coast have already started junior colleges games. But here in California, our junior colleges are planning to get underway on April 10th. So, so continue to still look over the NCAA rulebook. And also look at these references and articles in the Referee Magazine. I'm giving a good plug for Referee Magazine, it sounds like. I just want to kind of 
wrap up my my segment here by thanking everybody for listening to us. We kind of came up with this format to kind of make sure we don't take any time off and to give you guys some content and some good content. Hopefully it helps you in your game, in your pregame management, your postgame management, uh, your postseason and your preseason management. We, we can't really do the show without you guys, and we need your guys' help. And uh, any topics you would like to hear for us to discuss, any more rules you'd like to hear some clarification on, uh, again, topics or guests you would like to have here, have on our show for us to interview, uh, please, please do email us at feedback at strike3podcast.com. We all three get them. We will reply to you. If you, you send us something on topics, we'll give you a good shout out. Any questions you have for us or questions that you would think would be great for upcoming guests, we'll get your name and, and your location and we will give you that shout out. And we, we, we want to thank you guys. We want to put the power of Strike Three Podcast into our listeners' hands, and that's you guys. And we, we've got a good listening base, and we want to grow it more and have um, reach as many people as we can. And so we need, we need some help on that. So if you guys could give us some um, feedback and some ideas on what you want to hear, please do it. Again, feedback at strike3podcast.com. Uh, CB Enoch, uh, what do you got for us? Hey, welcome to another episode of Strike Three Podcast. I'm Enoch. I'm CB. And Trav is out in assignment tonight. So um, we'll, we'll just carry on as best we can without him. Um, we do have, have a, a guest today who's actually a friend of both of ours and a colleague. Uh, Kate Hart is, is joining us today. and She's a fellow umpire here. Um, Kate, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Hi, Colin. Hey, thanks for being on the show, hon. Appreciate it. You bet. So, so Kate, it, it, I do want to say, has been a friend to all of us. I think I first met Kate, and you know, I think the first time I went to a, a JC, uh, a Falls showcase, I think, trying out for jobs the first time. I think I'd worked one season of high school baseball. So I had no reason to be there other than someone inviting me to come. Um, and uh, Kate was very supportive. So so thank thank you for that, Kate. If I didn't thank you at the time, I thank you now. So You're welcome. So Kate, you've been doing baseball for a long, long time. You had a love of the sport from a very, very young age. Thinking, uh, and like us in Northern California, you, you listen to the San Francisco Giants broadcasts. Um, and... Uh, you said while doing homework. I assume after homework, you probably took the little radio to bed and, and tried to sneak a few extra inning games in. That's a good time. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I remember sitting in sixth grade class, listening to the World Series with a headset plugged into a radio surreptitiously under a jacket. Yeah, so yes, I loved it. <laughs> so where did that love of baseball manifest itself? You. you know, that is a mystery to me as much as anybody, because my parents are both athletic, but not baseball at all. And I have two younger brothers. 
and they played baseball, but neither one of them loved baseball like I did. So it's a good question. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what clicked, but it, it came um, pretty early. So, so yeah, you said, you said obviously listening at eight, age, age nine, and, said, and then at age 10, you got to meet one of heroes of mine, uh, Willie Mays. So to tell us about that, that's an interesting, not everyone gets to do that. That was, it, that was just a crazy, um, fun experience for me. I was in fifth grade. I had no idea it was coming. Um, my parents obviously knew that I love baseball and was listening to the Giants. And we have some family friends who live in San Francisco and they knew Willie Mays. And um, sorry, they know they, they're no longer living, but Willie Mays is. Um, but anyway, they heard that Willie was coming down to the Monterey Peninsula to play golf at Pebble Beach. And he was thinking about playing in the, uh, the Bing Crosby Pro-Am. And uh, so he and a couple friends um, spent the day at Pebble Beach and it was not for certain that they were going to be able to come to my house, my home where I grew up to, uh, for dinner. And so my parents didn't want to say anything to us until it was a done deal. But then all of a sudden with about 15 minutes uh, lead time, I was told that Willie Mays was coming for dinner. <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, sure. And, and, and he really did. And uh, so my brothers and I sat across the table from him and his friend and uh, just listened to baseball stories that night. It was just, I was stunned. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, he signed a ball for me and I had a, uh, a book, a paperback book that I had ordered through, you know, the school paperback, you know, book orders called oh, Young Plastic Baseball. Book Club. Yeah, yeah. Young Baseball Champions it was the name of the book. And Willie was one of the 10 guys featured. So that was pretty cool. Do you still have the ball? I do. I still have the ball. And a baby. And a baby. Um, so obviously you love the sport um, playing. So obviously you would probably, I would expect that you would be want to be a player. Um, did you play as a kid? I absolutely wanted to play as a kid and I did play as a kid, but nothing structured for a long time. Uh, um, I went down to sign up for Little League when my brothers were signing up for Little League and uh, they said, oh, sorry, no girls. Yeah, so I'm just a little bit too old for the, uh, the age change and the gender changes. And, and uh, I did the same thing with Pony League and they said, sorry, we don't take girls. So, um, you know, I didn't really take it with a chip on my shoulder or anything like that. All I wanted to do was play. So I practiced with them, but it was kind of a little bit ahead of my time, uh, so. Oh, wow. So, so now we still see, we see, see girls now and I see girls playing high school baseball now. So, so you're, you're, you're a pre trailblazer, I guess. <laughs> Again, I wasn't really doing it, you know, to make any sort of point. I just wanted to play. And, um, uh, in high school, actually, I, I went to Monterey high school and I tried out for the, the team and, uh, made the team, the junior varsity team. And then the next day I was told, oh, sorry, um, we can't have you on the team because of problems with the bus and the locker room and that type of thing. And so I went from one day of just being totally excited to the next day being disappointed. So 
but again, you know, it's just fear. So. Wow. Shoot. You're basically missed out. That's for sure. It would have been fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny. I, sometimes I umpire now on that same field where I tried out, you know, I spent two weeks trying out. And so it's, you know, kind of rewind the clock a few years. But, now, did you end up uh, going over to softball? Did mean you could play high school baseball? I did. Um, in high school, I played uh, three years on um, the high school team softball, and that was a blast. It was really fun, and we had we had a group of uh, female athletes. There were well, probably a core of about eight of us that went from sport to sport to sport. And we just dominated sports. We were really, really good, <laughs> and, um, kind of regardless of the sport, but it included um, softball. But it, it was just, it was a camaraderie, a coincidence in skills. Um, I played tennis. Not everybody in that group played tennis. And then we all played field hockey and we all played volleyball and played softball. And, and we were very successful if you're looking at win-loss win records and good friends. Uh, was it the same uh, group of girls that went from sport to sport to sport? Pretty much, yeah. There was a little bit of difference between tennis and versus swimming. And uh, I, I only played one year at basketball. I'm not very, um, not very good at basketball, but there were others that were really good. But, but like I said, there was this core of probably about eight of us that uh, were on most of the teams together. That'd be fun. That would be yeah. fun. And then yep. you continued to play in college, so softball. Yep, I did. I went to UC Davis and had a great time up there um, and uh, played third base and catcher my first year and second base the rest of the years. And uh, we had a blast. Now, were you a walk-on at Davis or was that a scholarship that you went for? What I was a walk-on. There were no scholarships at Davis at the time. We were D2, no scholarships. Uh, Davis has changed their status so about eight years ago, eight, ten years ago or so. But when I played there, there were no scholarships. It was um, all, yeah, it was pretty academic, um, but, but still a pretty good team. So. so what did you do for your baseball outlet? after college? <laughs> um, I guess for a few years, I just played like co-ed softball and occasional women's softball. And uh, then um, a few years later, I got married and had, we had a son and uh, his name is Nick. And I um, was probably most involved in baseball, uh, coaching his farm teams and t-ball teams and single A, little league uh, programs and had a blast doing that. But when he got to be about um, 11, 12 years old, he just got to kind of need to move on to different coaching, probably male coaching. It could have been a female coaching, but he just didn't need his mom out there and started to get kind of sassy with me. And so we just had a nice little um, appropriate parting of the ways in that relationship. And, uh, and so I sat on the um, bench and watched a couple of his games and I just went nuts. You know, I can't stand to sit still. I'm not a sit still person. I want to be out and be active. And and so uh, like the third game, they needed an umpire on the field. And, you know, I just went out there basically to kind of be a statue and ask the plate umpire where I should go. I had no clue. 
Um, but it was kind of fun. And then all of a sudden, um, a friend of mine asked me if I would be, I had been involved in Little League for five or six or seven years at that point, uh, if I'd be interested in being on the board. And so I said, sure. And uh, I said, what, what role do you want me to play? And they said, well, can you just help schedule umpires? And I said, of course, I can do that. Um, I had a flexible job at the time, so I had some time uh, to my own. And um, anyway, so I started doing that. And about a week later, the umpire in chief, the UIC, decided that he wanted to, that he was going to move over to Pony League and um, because his son had made a team over there. And so all of a sudden I was the umpire in chief and had never really had any baseball training, umpire training. So that was wow. kind of, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, baptism by fire or something like it. What's the metaphor? I don't remember. Um, yeah, but that's anyway, one. that's no, that's it. Or, yeah. or, or the full <laughs> plunge, no toe dipping. Yeah, yeah exactly. But luckily, the district in uh, Danville, California area, District 57, a little league had some fantastic, amazing uh, training. And so I went to as much as I could and uh, then trained uh, a ton of umpires. We had like 40 people on our roster every year and about 35 of them were kids, were teenagers. So <laughs> the, um, it, it was a unique experience. It wasn't like adults that were coming back and had some skills, but uh, I love teaching the kids. It, it was really fun. And so I did that for, I actually trained umpires in that area for about 10 years and then uh, ended up moving away from the area. But I, I love that. And you, the training still comes out because working with the rest of us, um, you're a very good peer instructor helping helping people, helping us with, with little things that we, you know, pick up, hey, have you tried this? You know, think about that. So you're very good Thank at that. Thank you. I, you know, I'm there to be a student clearly too. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do like to teach, you know, I think if I was as a doing uh, my career over again, I'd probably go into teaching and coaching. I like it. Um, Colin, I grew up in Monterey, which is right near where I live now. Um, but I lived in uh, Danville for a number of years uh, while our son was growing up. So did you ever get used to the, uh, difference in weather-wise because you're going from truth be told you're going from one extreme to another you're going from you know near the ocean where you grew up to the valley where it's just that's true yeah Sh Shea Hart is, is famous so just so you know <laughs> <laughs> so so you're working in little league um and obviously there's some some point where you went from the small field to the large field um you still continued, you know, training and work, working on it. And you were still assigning then for both big and small fields. I was, yeah. Um, and I forgot about that transition. That's kind of maybe kind of an interesting topic for the audience. Um, I was assigning both. And I remember for the longest time, I personally was um, hesitant about taking 90 foot assignments because you know, having not grown up playing baseball, I really, I never felt comfortable calling a balk, you know, and, and knowing the nuances uh, of that because mm -hmm. there isn't that consideration in softball. And so it took me a while to just have the confidence to know what I was looking for and, uh, and to call it. And, uh, but I, 
finally get over that hump going through a really good clinic and, and just being encouraged. Yeah. I think it, it took me about a year of just the little league, big diamond stuff. And then I became more confident and, you know, Bach is a, an art to call. It's not a science. Yeah. There's so, so much subtlety to uh, calling box unless, you know, sometimes they're obvious, but a lot of times it's, okay, I'm not going to, you know, split hairs. Um, but, but I'm also not going to let a pitcher get away with, with deception. And so anyway, that was a, a good transition for me. And so I started uh, finally just having enough confidence to try out for the high school group, local high school group. And, and uh, it was a great experience. And actually, I like 90 foot better than I like 60 foot now. I just think there's more strategy to the game. So um, I'm glad I made that transition. It's not, I don't do 60 foot, but I do 90 foot probably about 80% of the time. Hell's waiting room sometimes, <laughs> temperature wise. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, uh, it, it wasn't that big a deal, but I do, um, I do prefer the Monterey Salinas area. I live a little bit inland from the ocean, so it doesn't get a, quite as cool and foggy at my home as it might right on the coast. Uh, but I do like the moderation in weather and uh, um, I love sleeping with my, you know, windows open nine months of the year. It's great. Yeah, so I can't beat it. You've been here before, you know what it's like. Oh yes, gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, Absolutely gorgeous. And Danville was great too, except for about 20 days of the year where it got super hot during the summer. So, yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. And so now, so you made some transition to high school baseball. You did that for a while ago. You still do it. But at some point, you decided to try to keep moving up. So mm -hmm. when, when did the junior college thing kind of come along? Yeah, I, I actually kind of stumbled upon that a little bit, too. Um, when I moved from the Bay Area down to Monterey, I uh, asked a, a mentor, one of my mentors, if he knew of new people in the Monterey area who I could contact uh, assigners, that type of thing. And so he gave me the name of a, a person um, named Ted Kovac. And so I contacted Ted and asked him about, you know, any sort of clinics or uh that type of thing and he told me yeah just show up at cal state monterey bay we're going to be there for a couple days and uh see how it goes and i didn't know what level he was assigning at the time and i, I just kind of i don't know why it didn't occur to me to ask uh, but anyway it was basically a junior college tryout and there were probably about 50 or 60 people there something like that and uh, then and on the first day, and then they called back about eight people for the second day, and I was one of the people, so I was pretty psyched. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, so. Wow, that's um, huge. So I attribute it to a lot of good training, you know? I, I Yeah. How important has mentorship been to you through your process of being an umpire? It's, it's been huge. Um, you know, at every step of the way, it's a little bit different. I mean, mentorship early, it was a lot of questions about rules and mechanics and how do I deal with angry coaches and uh, disruptive parents, that type of thing. And certainly that can apply now. 
I think, um, you know, I gave the example of the mentor that who introduced me to Ted Kovac and uh, he was my little league mentor from day one, Gerard Takaguchi, you know, he, he saw me show up uh, not knowing a thing about umpiring and coming to a UIC meeting <laughs> and sort of uh, leading me down the primrose path, so to speak. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I wouldn't be here without him. You know, he because he allowed me to be successful. Yeah, yeah, he he gave me a long leash, but he didn't let me hang myself, and he let me kind of um, you know just prove myself or take whatever role I wanted to. Um, so he was great. There, I had a similar experience with um, one of the presidents of my local little league, um, where he you know, really respected people for just having enough common sense and, and um, intelligence to make good decisions. And you know, he didn't worry about if we didn't make perfect decisions, but he just was a great delegator. And, you know, of course that applies to work too. Um, but he was a good mentor just in terms of, you know, how to run a league and how to build a community, that type of thing. And then um, I have a, another little league a uh, close friend who has been a, a mentor for me for years. Uh, he actually was the evaluator at one of the um, Little League regional tournaments that I worked at. And uh, um, he has been a great resource for if I'm struggling with something now, or if I want to move up or, hey, you know, have you ever thought about this mechanic and wouldn't it be better from this side? And so, you know, mentors have been huge to me. Oh, that, that's awesome. Gerard, it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. I think everybody's in Little League somehow, as in Northern California anyway, has somehow been touched by Gerard. So, yeah. That was me. was like, wow, I haven't got a Gerard in a while. So, that's awesome. Awesome. So, in your Little League career, you've been quite successful. You've done a number of regionals in, in both baseball and in softball. Um, including a, a softball World Series, Little League World Series. So that, can you talk about some of the difference between baseball and softball? Obviously, softball is on the smaller diamond, um, 60 foot. And so it's amazing to watch at the high level softball and it's how, how quick people's reactions are to it. I'm mm -hmm. afraid of eating the baseball. <laughs> They're at third base. So. Yeah. Um, I would say that I used to have more expertise as a softball umpire. Uh, 10 years ago than I do now. Um, I would say that you know, the mechanics are very similar uh, for the 60 foot diamond. They're very different for the 90 foot diamond, but they're as different as 60 foot baseball and 90 foot baseball or mechanics are different. Um, it, um, it's a very fast game. Yeah. Um, there are different pitching rules, you know, that you have to pay attention to for softball versus baseball. Uh, there's slight mechanics differences that are more signaling differences and verbal mechanics differences than they, than they are in actual footwork and coverage. Uh, and so it's, it's funny when I work with a softball umpire or uh, somebody who's umpired pre predominantly softball, he or she will make a call differently. Like they'll say foul ball instead of foul. It's just, you know, who it doesn't matter, you know, but, but, but it's just little subtleties. And, and uh, so it's kind of funny. I worked with a guy this weekend at a, a game and uh, 
he obviously does some softball too, because every inning before the inning started, he'd, he'd take the ball and place it on top of the pitcher's rubber for uh, the next inning, which baseball we don't do and softball they definitely do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Um, but, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just subtle differences. And so yeah, it is, is before the game, taking, taking one of the new pearls and tossing it to the mound and see if it sticks on top, but I don't do that every, every half inning. Just to, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and also softball umpires will often uh, brush off the pitcher's rubber, you know, the, and with their brush and, and a base umpire will have a, a, a brush, you know, where in baseball, we don't typically have a brush unless we're mandated to do that for some reason, which occasionally happens, but not very often. So. So anyway, yeah, there's some subtleties. And then just, you know, the softball, the cheering is totally different. Everybody kind of, you know, is, is, uh, has fun with the girls and it's not necessarily gender specific, but that's the way it usually works out. But there's all kinds of fun, you know, chants that the girls do that the boys never do. It's it's a different um, sort of... Different animal, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's... Well, depending what they're chanting from a boys' dugout, it's like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is your official warning. <laughs> so it, we talked about mentorship and how important to you. Um, ongoing, just like just like in profession, um, ongoing professional education. What kind of things you do to kind of keep yourself going? And you know, particularly we had this year off, um, abrupt stop to 2020, and kind of a delayed start to 2021. But yeah. Do you do well, things kind of? Uh, you know, this year's pretty unique, obviously, for everybody. But every year, that that's one thing that I just like to do, but I also pride myself in doing is every year I am a student. Every year I go to clinics, and I find that that's a difference maker versus some of my... Um, specifically little league peers, but I don't mean to pick on little league or anything like that, but a lot of people, you know, they'll umpire for a couple of years, three years, and they'll, they'll assume that they know everything. And so they don't go back and do training and they don't want to, and they're resistant to, you know, opening the rules book and that type of thing. And I, um, you know, to each his own, but that's been a difference maker for me, I think is, you know, that every year I want to revisit and rethink about stuff every, uh, every year. I, you know, I think about obstruction a little bit differently. I think about interference a little bit differently, mostly based on you know, an experience that I had in a prior season or a couple prior seasons where I thought I understood it and then I didn't. <laughs> you know, I uh, I have a, a situation where I, you know, learn from the situation. So anyway, I it and I like. I do it both mechanics on the field. I'm an athlete. I want to go out and run around. It's fun and it's camaraderie and that type of thing too, but I want to learn. And then uh, like this year, you know, I haven't been able to be quite as active. None of us have been, um, but as active as normal. But one of the things that I did do is uh, Wendell Stat School offered an um, online course that was primarily rules and rules discussion interpretation. Um, there was there were some mechanics videos that I looked at too, but 
it, um, they hosted it during the month of December, sort of as a precursor to their January school where they were running a school. Um, but it, it, I, they intended it to be kind of a head start for people going to their five week program. Um, but it wasn't exclusively that way. And I, I work-wise, I couldn't take that five weeks off this year. I hope to do that eventually. But I just thought that, you know, I never had really studied the uh, MLB rules, the pro rules uh, in depth and with focus. I kind of knew the differences, but i had never umpired pro ball, obviously, uh, other than than an occasional like uh, independent league game or something like that. So, you know, I was just curious. Plus, I just wanted to stay mentally sharp because I had been away from the game for several months. So I like being a student. <laughs> right. I think you have to, to, to succeed in, as a sports official, but particularly baseball umpire. Um, to me, it's like, it's like riding a bike. You got to keep progressing forward or you just fall over. So. Agree. I think it's also, um, it, it earns respect, hopefully too. Yeah. Um, it's, it, clinics can be humbling. You can go out there and be, and totally botch something and, you know, but, it, but we're all out there and we all have to do it on the fly and I'll have to do the camp games and they, you know that they're going to throw something weird at you <laughs> and you hope that you get it right. But it's also a badge of honor, I think too. No, absolutely. That, that's awesome. Um, so this, this is a great way, I think, to, for you to stay involved in, in baseball, the sport that, that you loved as a kid, and um, you get to stay involved in the game, umpiring. Um, hopefully our shelf life as umpire is a little longer than, than as a player. <laughs> yeah. I'll say mine has already. Um, what kind of things do you enjoy most about, about umpiring? Uh, keep number one is the friendships. Most definitely the friendships. Yeah, and... Uh, um, sort of building on that too, it's a mental challenge and it's an athletic challenge. And there's not many things that, um, from my experience, that combine those two things. Yeah. And I, you have to have both. Yeah. You have to be decent at both to be successful. And I, I think, you know, you can go out and umpire not being very athletic, but especially now, um, you're going to be much more um, upwardly mobile if, if you can be athletic. So being fit, being fast, you know, helps a lot. I'm five foot two. There's only so much speed I can, you know, uh, gather, but being quick on my feet has helped me a lot. And, and so I think that's part of it in terms of what else I like. Uh, well, for, first of all, in terms of combination, I used to play a lot of golf and, uh, you know, I don't think of golf as being like a, you know, go out and sweat and be super athletic, uh, you know, like a, a you know, a, a runner or something like that. But I do, did, I do equate in some ways the mental game of golf and the physical swing and finesse a little bit to um, what I like about baseball too. You know, it's kind of a combination uh, and um, there's finesse to it. Um, sorry, I lost track of uh, the rest of the question, but. No, that, that pretty much kind of got to it. I think thinking golf and officiating, well, they're both humbling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll speak for my own golf game. I'll speak for my own golf game for that one, but yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, I, I like to consider myself a scratch golfer. You know, <laughs> I hit the ball, scratch my head. What the hell happened with that shot? <laughs> you both take a lot of practice. That's true. Oh boy, I mean, that's true. Now, but, let me ask you. So, when you first, as as a child, going into little league and trying out and they wouldn't let you try out you said before that you know you weren't trying to make a statement you just love the game and as an umpire i mean let's address the elephant in the room you know you're <laughs> a woman going into a predominantly uh men's world in in that respect because there just aren't a lot of uh female umpires there just aren't so it seems like you've taken the, the your attitude as a child as trying out the same way as an adult going into baseball. It's just like, it doesn't matter what anybody says. I, I'm just doing this. Did you ever receive any blowback at all? I mean, as umpires, we obviously receive a ton of blowback just for being out there. But I mean, oh, speak for yourself. Uh, from, <laughs> <laughs> from a, I mean, just from a female's point of view. Um, did you ever receive any blowback from, from anybody saying, no, you shouldn't be doing this. What are you here for? That sort of thing. Very rarely. And, and even more rarely with my partner, I, I partners, you know, I, I feel like I have been part of a brotherhood for a long time. And so I haven't really experienced that maybe more than once or twice. And, um, occasionally I'll walk out on a field and I think there it's more of a surprise factor. Yeah. The, you know, they don't expect me to be on the field. Uh, the only time that I've run into sort of almost confrontational is in travel ball where I have a coach who doesn't like the call I made at second base and he's, you know, frustrated. And I, one guy in particular, I remember he said, that's why we don't want women on the baseball field. And was, you know, so that was kind of an obvious toss. Been pretty rare. Yeah. And the higher level that I get into, I get it a little bit more, but they're much more crafty and subtle about it. It's like, oh, are you sure you saw that? Or I'm, you know, I'm not sure you, you're fast enough for that. Or, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. But I, I would say it's pretty darn rare. And, and there's something that I love to do is um, surprise and delight. You know, so if I walk on the field and they're surprised, so what? You know, and that's been my experience with the junior college managers in general is, you know, they, they you know, they're, they might raise an eyebrow, but the minute that I go out there and call a strike and call it with authority and I'm hustling and I'm in the right position and I have a good pregame and have a good, you know, um, you know, line of ex exchange, that type of thing. It's just, you're just setting the stage and then it becomes irrelevant. So um, very rare. Yeah. And, and, and um, I love it when my partners, you know, just see through any sort of glimpse of um, nonsense and, and call them on the carpet. <laughs> so, I mean, cause I've umpired with you before. Uh, I mean, obviously, and I, you're a fantastic umpire. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke. It just, it is what it is. Uh, you're fast, nimble, and 
I mean, God forbid, I just want to be out there one night just to see what a co- if the coach says something cross to you and just go, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> You're in for a world of hurt there, sport. It, it's funny. Luckily, they usually toss it themselves. They, they're just dumb. You know, they just do something that's, there's, it, it's black and white. Um, I would say I'm more tolerant than I should be at times, but I also am that way because I need to make sure that I'm not reading something into a comment that wasn't really there. So, right. To piggyback off that, why do you think um, there aren't as many women trying to become like baseball umpires or just officials in general? That's, that's uh, the $20 million question, isn't it? Um, you know, I think, I think that the women who are most likely to like it are, are athletic, um, yeah, or, and most likely to be able to stick with it and not get, um, you know, sort of criticized or just meet resistance, I think, uh, are more athletic, but you need to have some common sense for the game too. I mean, you can be a great, great athlete, um, but you know nothing about baseball. It's going to be hard for a person to anticipate where that throw is going to go or, uh, um, it's so I think, you know, the more that women are able to play baseball, and softball, but baseball, the more familiar they are with the game and the nuances of the game. And I think that, you know, if they're encouraged, there will be more that come from there. But I don't think there's going to be many women like myself. Well, I was going to say, you know, I did play softball, that type of thing. But really, it wasn't until about 10 years later or 12 years later that I even got involved in in umpiring. And it wasn't because of my softball connection. It was... Um, yeah, uh, I, I think it was just kind of, I stumbled onto something I didn't expect to love. And so I, I guess part of it too is just uh, me encouraging um, friends, including women to go out there and love it, you know, and, and kind of get over the hump. It's again, kind of like golf. The hardest part is the first year because you barely hit the ball. You top the ball, you scratch the, go- the ball, <laughs> you throw the club or whatever your personality is like. But once you kind of get over the hump, then there's kind of a passion for it too. So I don't, I don't know that I really answered your question, Colin. Um, but you know, I tried to. No, get you out. did. Yeah, yeah, that, that is interesting. And so I, I think one of the things that you try to do is try to inspire others to, to kind of, kind of follow in, into baseball. Um, that would be awesome. Um, but even they follow officiating because there's a shortage of officials in every sport, at every level. Um, if they can see you as an official uh, working at a fairly high level, um, they, they, maybe there's, they can see there's hope for them in, in, in the, whatever sport they choose. If they happen to love soccer, they can be they could be a referee, you know, starting off being assistant referees and go referees and work your way up that channel or basketball. Yeah. Um, I would say one thing that I would, um, I haven't experienced this in when I'm in the room because for whatever reason, but I know I was, I've officiated a couple other sports and um, including football. And 
I never felt like I would know the nuances of the football rules and it was a, a different um, experience refereeing it. But it was also, I remember joining some calls, training calls, that type of thing. And the conversation kind of between the topics was very male centric, you know, and it wasn't derogatory or it wasn't uh, inappropriate, but it was just like, I had a hard time, even the, the person that I am and as involved as I am in, in baseball, I just had a hard time feeling like I belonged in that conversation. So if you're ever in that situation, just, you know, it's not, it's, it's not like you have to tiptoe around and be PC and that type of thing. It's just, you know, have a common thread of conversation that everybody's going to be able to, to engage in. I, I think that that was something that kind of shocked me. So. Hmm. so more than just inside jokes, it's just kind of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of walk in that, that gray area, not, yeah. not stepping totally out of bounds, but yep. not, not being, and it was also a conversation that was like, well, oh, remember 15 years ago when we had that play and da, 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 da. so that's that's okay. fun, but that's not doesn't really belong in a training session. I'm not going to learn anything from, you know, something like that. So, you know, just be a little bit more aware of, you know, what people's um, interests are and right. the training needs are. Well, the war stories were interesting to them because exactly they were there, but maybe not necessarily for everybody else. And so. we're all busy. So, you know, just make it efficient, make it, you know, make it stay on topic. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Okay. I think we kind of came across a topic. We were talking, a group of us on parts talking about uh, some of the schools had changing facilities. Um, how do they, they incorporate you when they do that? In, with the junior college group, there, there have been um, uh, efforts made to, provide a place for me to change, which is awesome. Uh, my personality is not one to, you know, um, want to draw extra attention to my needs or my different needs or whatever. So I typically just show up mostly dressed and I don't have to, and just change in my car. But I think it's, it's relevant. Yeah, I, I just, I appreciate the fact that people are thinking about that. I, you know, um, and if I was doing D1 baseball or something like that, where it was a routine to go and get dressed in a locker room and shower and all that kind of stuff, then I would expect it. But I think at the level ball that I've been doing, we haven't really needed to have a locker room meeting or meet at the, ahead of time in a locker room. I have done that when I've been refereeing volleyball um, and we just, but it's more like a pregame discussion or something like that. But you don't have to do that in a locker room. Right. So I'm, I'm just thinking the levels that, that we're working. We're lucky if we get a room. How are we going to get two? You know, it's exactly. like, um, how do they think about that? It's like, mm, you know, do we just rotate in and out of the room? Right. That's I just change in my car and I'm smart about it, you know? <laughs> I, wish, I wish some male umpires were smarter about it when they were doing the... <laughs> locker room oh mm -hmm. uh, especially as an assigner those are not the kind of emails and phone calls you want to field no so kate you've been umpiring for 20 years yep 
uh, you've seen a lot of things change um, just in the game alone. Um, you've accomplished a lot in that span of time. As you look towards the future, uh, what kind of goals have you set for yourself? I, I've had to really focus on my paying career more than my umpiring <laughs> career. And, and so I'm pretty practical about the number of games that I can umpire during the season and how far I can travel. And so um, as much as I'd love to be able to, you know, move up another level or two, I, I just don't think that's in the cards for me, but I think it's as much about my career and my need to earn an income. I'm single, I have bills to pay, I have a demanding job. I just, practically speaking, can only give so much. And so I think my goals going forward are to um, stay fit and stay um, athletic and avoid injuries and uh, be an awesome umpire at the level that I'm at and uh, inspire others to do the same. Um, but practically speaking, you know, I, I, I turned 63 this year. Yeah, it, it's, I don't think that, that I'm going to be umpiring 20 years from now. So I'm just uh, living every moment with joy, you know, while I, while I can. So. With your passion for uh, with your passion for teaching and whatnot like that, do you feel that that might be an avenue you might go down uh, in regards to after you've decided to stop umpiring? Definitely, you know, and I don't know that I'll ever stop umpiring unless I just can't move. Um, but uh, when I have more time to do it, uh, then definitely I'd like to be more, um, to be more involved on the instruction side too. And, and just also just in the kind of mentorship and encouragement side, yeah, um, just making sure people have fun because if they don't have fun, they're never going to stick with it. You know, so, you know, so um, when I guess did you get into Teddy's group, I'm sorry. When did you get into Teddy's group? uh 2011 2011 okay yeah. um because i know i i, I can speak for 12 yeah right because i i, you know, I can speak for myself uh because i think uh me and travis came in at the same and seeing you there. In fact, I remember, I think the first time I ever saw and met you was during the fall at San Jose State. Mm -hmm. And um, you couldn't have been more encouraging. You couldn't have been more nice and, and, and courteous. And I remember we all uh, went out to uh, a local pub afterwards and just the camaraderie and you just accepted me like family right from the get-go. And those are the types of things that I'll never forget. I, I'm glad you remember that and brought that up because I remember that day. That was really fun. And, um, you know, every season is a new experience, a new tryout. You know, I, I, I'm pretty humble about my expectations and, you know, it's, we're all in there to do well. And, uh, you know, hopefully we all survive and uh, all do games together. But, but I remember that. That was fun. 
Yeah, very much. I, I thought of one other thing too, when you talked about mentorship and uh, sort of maybe you didn't say passing the torch or whatever, but um, my son did learn how to umpire when he starting when he was 12. And he umpired a lot of Little League in his teen years. And we did some games together. So that would talk about, you know, it's unusual for a woman to be out there. It's really unusual for a mom and a son to be out there together. So that was really fun. Oh, yeah. And he umpired quite a bit until he was about 19 or so. And then ended up uh, going to college, going to work. And he's um, done it a little bit you know, on and off in the last three or four years to earn some money. But um, I see that probably in his future that he'll get back and do it too. And hopefully, you know, once he, he's married now, once he has kids, you know, maybe that it will be perpetuated that way too. But it, but it was a great way for me to do something fun with my son too. Uh, so. Oh, I can totally relate to that because my, uh, my youngest son, Jacob, uh, we umpired Little League together as well. And I think he got his first paycheck at like 10 years old, uh, which I thought was really cool. And I really thought that he would follow in my footsteps, but his passion is coaching. He's coaching uh, JV uh, baseball at Wilsey Wood and absolutely just loves it. Awesome. Cool. So maybe he'll come over to the dark side someday. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> well that's that's awesome uh, um because yeah I, I i have worked with my sons in little league um but they, they had a, they have other plans and other life plans now so maybe they'll come back to umpire too but right 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 now they're busy with, with uh, careers and, and families and that kind of thing so but it was fun while it lasted, so. Absolutely, fond memories, yep. If I could stay upright and nimble long enough, maybe I'll see grandkids or something. You don't see that combination very often. I have kind of fun, a funny story to maybe just sort of a, a wrapping up note or whatever, but one, one time I was umpiring a game and my son was actually playing in the game. Um, he wasn't originally going to play and he, cause he was going to umpire a game, but then uh, the game got canceled or forfeited or something. So he showed up and played with his normal team. He joined the team in like the third inning or so. And um, it was, they were like 17, 18 years old at the time. And uh, so on the, I'm sure on the way over from the, the umpiring gig to his game, he, got some lunch, including a big Diet Coke, yeah, 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 which was sort of typical for him. And so anyway, the game was just awful. It just dragged on and on. His team was getting killed. It was something like 25 to two and Nick was playing right field. And uh, so there was a pitcher warming up and he was, it was taking a while. And so I look out right field, I was the base umpire and I see my son turned with his uh, back to the infield and, um, he had to relieve himself. Yeah, so he was. Going... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I just kind of, you know, I pretended not to see anything and it was just, but it was totally, you know, the way my son was just 
kind of doing, he always did unexpected goofy things. That was one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, two quick things before we wrap up. Um, one is what advice would you give any young umpire that's coming up today, just starting out and they wanted to make it big? Like big, like maybe a pro umpire. Yeah. Um, I would say start young. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like the pro schools are, they, they're picking people who are in their twenties, definitely in the younger side of twenties. I think most people don't even know it's a, it's a career. It's, it's challenging. It, it's really tough to work your way even into the minor leagues, let alone up the system. But I would say if you're, if you want to do it, do it early, you know, do it, do it right out of college or right out of high school, whatever your aspirations are, just go try it. And like anything, you know, um, you don't want to kick yourself 20 years later, wishing that you had done something like that. Do it when you, you know, you don't have other life commitments. Um, and, uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I would say, you know, follow your dreams. It, it's not baseball exclusive. It's not umpire exclusive, but it's trust your gut and pursue it. If you can, you know, go check it out. You, maybe you won't like it, but, but we, at least you got to go try it. Um, and I, I guess, um, one thing that comes with a little bit of time that I would say is, the rule books are the rule books. Know them, but also understand the spirit of the rule and, and what and um, what why it's written the way that it is. And, and so, don't be just a rule put rule book Nazi or you know a, um, you know, but really understand what's what's going on and what the purpose is and. Yeah. Um, what, what's the term that they use uh, in fair and, um, what is it? Fair and equitable um, adjudication. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's not obvious how you should resolve something, but what's fair? Yeah. Uh, 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 um, what's a fair interpretation or what? Yeah. Uh, anyway, I would, I would just say, understand that it goes beyond just the black and white text. <laughs> Um, and that takes time. Well said, well said. And uh, the second question is, is there any question that we didn't ask you or a topic that we didn't discuss that you would have liked to us to have discussed? Uh, well, I, maybe I'll throw a question back at each of you. So what it, what's it like to umpire with a, a female on a college baseball field where the coach is, you know, kind of giving me a bad time? Yeah, how, how do you how do you how do you feel about that, or what thoughts go through your mind? Eric, you want to go first? I don't think we, I don't think I've seen it. We won't, I think we've only worked one college game together. We had a second one scheduled last year, but it was after the COVID cutoff date, so we didn't we didn't get that. Um, and I don't remember anything 
in that other game at all coming up. I mean, it's one of those cut and dry games where the game ran itself pre predominantly, or we did such a good job, it seemed to run itself. Uh, <laughs> right? There, there's no questioning any calls. There, there wasn't any, any, you know, it wasn't any sass, wasn't any coming out. I mean, the game we had was super easy, I thought. So, so it was like, it was easy. You were a great partner to have. <laughs> we had nothing going on in that game. Unless I completely missed it, Kate, but. <laughs> I, I meant the question more broadly, but that's a, that's good. Okay. I'm glad we didn't have any riffraff. Uh, for me, uh, for me, I'd have to say that um, it, the first time I saw you on the field, it just struck me as odd. Uh, just that, cause I've, I've just never seen a female baseball umpire. Um, so I was like, okay. And then you were at first, I was behind the plate. And what actually stunned me the most, uh, right out from, from the gate was your speed. I'm like, wow, look at her move. Cause I, 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 you move faster than some men I know for a lot of, actually a lot of men I know. Right then I knew you weren't just, for lack of a better phrase, you know, uh, a token person out there, you know, you, you were out there because you had ability and I never, I never second guessed one of your calls and, and, and you know, I, and I look at you just as I, I never really saw, I never really saw gender other than the first time I saw you. I mean, but I mean, as far as working with you, I just, I never looked at you as a female umpire, I looked at you always, she's my partner. You know, she's earned the right to be out here. And that's just the simple fact of the matter. Um, I've never noticed any chirping or anything like that from anybody else. Although if it did happen, I'm not going to say that my first reaction would be to strike first, but knowing you like I know you, now I'm just going to sit back and watch the show. <laughs> Because you can handle yourself. There, there's. I don't think there's any situation that you can come across that you cannot handle. But you can't. But you're not afraid to ask a question. And that's one of the most humbling things. And uh, so the biggest thing is just I never really saw in working with you. I never saw gender. I just saw you as a partner. That's it. That answers your question and a, a goal that I would have too. Yeah, I mean, obviously as a person, I want to be seen as a female, but on the field, I don't, it, it's irrelevant. It, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So going broadly, I mean, I had seen you um, doing drills at clinics for a number of times. We've worked a number of fall ball games together. So we work together um, in, you know, non-pressure non -pressure situation. So I've seen you work. I know you can work wasn't looking at all um for the game i will say yeah i did have in my mind if they come at you would i respond any differently than if it was a guy and i'm not i'm still not sure i would do anything different yeah i i don't know exactly how to expect you to act either you know i may i may walk stroll that way you know one second earlier 
but 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 you know i've seen you enough that i figured you can handle yourself remote in those circumstances and you know we've talked about things that have happened and you know we have kind of a, a group that we get together and we talk about things that happen um yeah you, you have them just as well as i'd like to be able to think i can handle them so there's really no question on that well thank you i uh there you know you guys are two of my absolute favorite partners and and like colin was saying it it's a genderless partnership kind of thing, right? It's more teammates there. Yeah, so I appreciate that. This and I appreciate the respect that I can hold my own too, right? Because I don't want you to feel like you have to do two people's job if uh, somebody's being a jerk, so. Right. No, that's awesome. Well, hey, yeah. you've taken plenty of your time, Kate. Thank you for making time for us. Um, always, always enjoy to talk with you, so. Flattery. Absolutely, it's, it's your appreciation, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, enjoyed it very much. So great. So ladies and gentlemen, that that's as Ms. Kate Hart. So she's an umpire 20 years. At some point I'll get there. <laughs> but I'll get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, you guys. I was a late starter. So I, I will admit that. So so awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kate. Good night. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Kate. I, I think she's a shunning example to all umpires uh, on how to handle yourself and, and work ethic and whatnot. It's just a privilege to know her and, um, and just a lot of fun to work with her. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, she, she works hard. There's, there's no doubt about that. She works on her craft. Um, she's very accomplished. I say on the field. Yeah, she knows her stuff. Um, and as a person, she's even better. So, um, for sure at, at clinics, even the last, the last ones we had now, it's been over a year ago, but some of the, the new, it's come on, boy, that Kate is really nice. She was really welcoming. It's like, she, she, she's like our association's welcoming committee. Yeah, for sure. So like, Absolutely. Are, you no know, question about it. Business and all that. And she's like, make sure everyone feels included and, and welcome to the association. Welcome to the group. Welcome to the club kind of thing. Um, that's exactly what you want from the from, from our little association. Absolutely, Br brotherhood slash sisterhood. Um, yes, I just wish we'd have more women to have the uh, who have a really a passion for the game to have the courage to come out and try it, right? And just to see if they if they'd really like it because you see some women out there that are just they're just like I mean they're just like guys they live breathe eat sleep the game and uh love to see him out there yeah i don't don't know very many female empire the ones that i do are yeah it's a love of the game and they're all very proficient so yeah very much so they're not like you know we we know the people that are there just for paychecks and they're not in that group absolutely so. absolutely cool well, that, that's another wrap uh, i i think we did miss uh internet national women's month but um, we didn't miss it by much so <laughs> right <laughs> it, it shouldn't be just a month anyway that that's our that's our stance right. we'll stay with it <laughs> that's right awesome that is right cool well that's a wrap for for this episode of strike three podcast podcast go. good night everybody see you later
Kate was an awesome guest. Loved having her. On. Yeah, she sure was. I mean, man, she's uh, just from just being a little girl, just what for whatever reason gravitating to the game of baseball to uh, being an umpire. Man, she's got a lot of longevity in the sport. Thank you for joining us on another edition of Strike Three Podcast. Special thanks to Travis Witt for his special segment and our guest Kate Hart for relaying her journey as a baseball umpire over the last 20 years. Please join us next time and remember, Strike Three Podcast, your source for taking your umpiring to the next level. See ya! Oh, before you go, like all good sports officials, we value the importance of feedback. Please rate our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get this podcast. Your rating will help us improve and assist others in finding the Strike 3 podcast. Or please feel free to email us at feedback at strike3podcast.com. That is feedback at strike, the number three, podcast.com. Thanks for listening.